it was like a benefit concert. So there were like a whole bunch of people performing and he came out and just kind of did like just solo bass guitar. And it was fucking awesome. Like it was fucking awesome. Oh, he's he's by far the most talented member of that band by far. Oh yeah. 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 (laughs) Cause he also, he can also rip it up on like the trumpet. But uh, yeah, yep. yeah, chili peppers. This episode of Murder Husbands is dedicated to Flea. <laughs> hey, why not? Hello, and welcome to Murder Husbands, an episode by episode deep dive appreciation of the Brian Fuller created series Hannibal, based on characters from the novels by Thomas Harris. We are Popsicle, a mind. A mind. <laughs> We are Popsicle, a group of like-minded creators who enjoy getting together to have big conversations for big stories. I am Claire Thorne, and with me, as always, are my lovely, favorite, wonderful, delightful Popsicle co-hosts, Lisa K. Weber, who, you know, doesn't really like Aerosmith that much. Um, So I'm just going to call people (laughs) out on these things. So... Kelly Sumalano, who I'm not sure who you don't like that. I mean, we never really got who you don't like. Who do I not like? (laughs) Just name a person you don't like. Or or band. Or band. Specifically the music of a band. Yes. I don't like the music of Millie Vanilli. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. I'm a little... First of all, Girl You Know It's True is one of the great songs of the I mean, yeah, I'm like, can we really hold, hold... anything against the music of Millie Vanilli that's some good shit well, but yeah. you said hey, to just every, name the something doesn't want what, what it doesn't want <laughs> that was that's that what was, I thought of I have nothing against them in real life but <laughs> you tell me to, to come up with something on the spot you know what you're gonna get <laughs> Justin Peniston who are you not listening to this morning <laughs> I can honestly say that I believe that the Doors are the most overrated band in the history of music. God oh, bless you. Wow. Thank wow. you for thank you. Throne. I know. That's gonna <laughs> draw some ire on Twitter, I imagine. I, I you know what? Oh, it's fine. Look, you know, people people like what they like. <laughs> I you know, yeah. but if if we're talking about what I am not a fan of, mm-hmm. you know, the doors, I have never heard a doors. You're just not song a doors thought, fan, man. I need That's to okay. hear that again. You know? Yeah. I can agree, but yeah, I agree with you on that. I like I Billy Idol's cover of "L.A. Woman" more than The Doors. Yeah, there, yeah, there are a lot of bands that I, <laughs> I don't mind if somebody else is it, it, only when somebody else is singing their stuff. Um, anyway, thank yeah. you, Justin. Uh, Philip Kelly. Hi. Good morning. Good morning. Oh, you, you, you want one for me too? Yeah, <laughs> obviously. Okay. I mean, I, uh, you know, I, I'm gonna dig back into my past, my own history. Uh, Michael W. Smith, I loathe. If anybody knows who that is, I do. I do, Philip. Yeah. Yes, he's a he's a contemporary Christian singer that I was about to say. Yeah, sings a bunch of songs for fourteen year old girl, 13, 14 year old girls about Christ. Didn't it's, he? It's and, creepy. Didn't he and Amy Grant get married? Aren't they married? I don't. I don't think they got. I don't think they got married. Uh, but I do like Amy Grant. So it's you know not necessarily husband, a Christian yeah. thing. It's just him. He's yeah. it's weird. Uh, so I get. I get all of middle-aged Los Angeles on my ass and freaking <laughs> I'm gonna get all Phil, of Phil's got the, the three Christians in middle America listening to our I podcast. Know. <laughs> We're going to like shut us down. They're going to shut all us down. Right. Yeah, well, there are three Phil's- Christians we were able to hold on to on this podcast. You've just banished them. Arguably, they're going to be the, hey. the louder hey. responders right. to this whole thing. Well, thank you, my co-host. I, I led you into that um, based on a conversation we were having off screen off mic a little earlier and i'll just say it started off with you know me talking about how much i cannot listen to the red hot chili peppers anymore i apologize to flea um who we all agree <laughs> is delightful um so on that positive note <laughs> before we dig into this discussion lisa and justin are going to take us through a quick recap of this week's episode nakachoko which seems like a very on the nose kind of name, but anyway, <laughs> just phonetically. Take it away. 
We open on Will murdering Randall Tear, aka the hydraulic beast man, except it's not him. It's the Manstag! Will's visions flash between Manstag and Hannibal as he punches and chokes and finally cracks neck. Imaginary Hannibal is definitely into it. Real life Hannibal seems pretty stoked too when he comes home to find his murder boyfriend with a brand new murder on his dining room table. They do some murder flirting and then Jack finds the kid in the Natural History Museum cut up and mounted onto a cave bear skeleton. Hannibal and Will dissect the murder, lol, being all like, he knew his killer, <laughs> knowing look, and he's never killed like this before, flirty glance, and Jack looks at them both like, y'all need Jesus. <laughs> he doesn't seem to be buying it, but someone else is, and it's our girl, Freddie Lowndes. Will goes in to see her in her hotel room, where she says she's writing a book about the Chesapeake Ripper, and that Will better get the name Frederick Chilton out of his mouth, because they both know it's not him. It's Hannibal. Hello. Before we get to that, we have to deal with another psychopath in a nice suit, Mason Berger. This nasty-ass rich boy is showing off his new crazy pig maze and illuminating to Margot that he's training his fancy pigs to eat a live human. Families, am I right? So he stuffs one of her Chanel suits full of meat, assuming it's pork, TBH, and feeds it to those hogs while playing the sounds of a woman screaming. Margot does exactly what I would do, wraps herself in her finest fur coat, and runs to Wilgram's house with a bottle of whiskey. What happens next is the wildest sex scene ever. So picture Hannibal and Alana playing some weird fucking instrument together, naked, not so hot. <laughs> but then picture Will Graham and Margot Verger taking their clothes off to share battle scars, very extremely hot. The respective couples get it so on, and the edits here are truly inspired. Shout out to the editors of this episode, okay? But wait, Will starts imagining Hannibal as the Manstag, and then as the Manstag getting it on with Alana, and then we end on Alana, Hannibal, Will, sandwich. Sheesh! Somebody needs a towel. Then Hannibal straight up ruins it again by going to meet Mason Verger. Likely to be like, there's only one fucking sheriff in this town, friend. And Mason gives him a pig, which he then serves to Will and Alana. Alana starts talking about fuzzy boundaries, and I'm like, it's a little late for that, sis. Then she has the truly stupid idea to be like, yeah, well, I saw Freddie, and she said she thinks y'all are murder boyfriends. Cut to Hannibal in his murder suit, waiting patiently inside Freddie's hotel room. But wait, Freddie's in Will Graham's house. She's poking around and taking pictures like the skis ball she is and realizes it's time to check out Will Graham's barn. So she picks the lock because she's honestly a low-key criminal. And what does she find? Randall Tears' bear suit, which is a little too elegantly arranged for my taste. She snaps some pictures of that shit before naturally opening up a freezer. She rummages through vacuum-sealed fish, etc., before finding Rail Cheers' jawbone. Uh-oh. She slams the door. She slams the door shut to find Creepy Will. Double uh-oh. Freddie pulls out a gun to shoot at Will before making a break for it. She gets to her car and calls Jack Crawford just before Will smashes her window and yanks her right out. Next, we're in Jack's office, everyone listening to Freddie screaming on his voicemail. Jack is like, this pinged six miles from your house, Will. And he's like, okay, everyone hates Freddy, so what's my house got to do with it? He says she was supposed to interview him, but never showed. What a liar. Will is back having dinner at Hannibal's, and this time he brought the meat. When asked what meat it is, Will says, a slim and delicate pig. Is he insinuating that it's Freddy? Hell yes, he is. They sit and eat, and Hannibal's like, could it be? Did my dream come true? As he asks lots of dance around it questions like, huh, this meat tastes scared. And Will's like, how the hell do you know what scared tastes like? Finally, Will admits that it's long pig, which is supposedly, definitely, a slang, a slang term for human. They both continue eating, and then their faces merge together, and I'm like, just kiss already. Pouring one out for Freddie Lowndes. Sorry, girl. You'll be missed. Oh, my goodness. Do wow. we really think that Freddie Lowndes is accurately described as being delicate in any way whatsoever? <laughs> that, is not a, that is not a word I associate she, with. Freddie she does Lowndes. have a slightly waifish body. She's a, she, no, yeah. she's a, a tiny woman. Yeah. Physically, but mm -hmm. there's nothing delicate about Freddie Lowndes. Well, <laughs> like, 
it wasn't like he, you know, he was like, mm-hmm, she mm. tastes bitchy. You know, it was like, it was I'm like, you know, slim and devious. Yeah, you know? <laughs> uh, yeah, that's delightful. Oh my goodness, you guys, this episode, um, there are so many profound pronouncements in this episode. I felt mm-hmm. like everything that came out of everybody's mouths all the time was just like theme of the show, theme of the show, and not in a bad way obviously um you know sure. some of the gems were you know, like most of what we do what we believe is motivated by death no fear no guilt oh and then when he brings when he brings out the pig and is you know explained they're having a little discussion about you know farmers naming their pigs and having pigs as pets but then mm-hmm. killing and eating their pets um you know hannibal sums it all nicely uh, by saying they love and kill what they love and eat what they love. And if Alana's is not hearing what he's throwing down at this point, I, it, <sighs> yeah, anyway. So, but this episode, we watch Will go all the way. And probably that's why we have the sex scene um, the way we do in this episode. Um, and what do we, you know, what are we supposed to conclude from Will's actions in this episode? Is he taking everything all to heart? I mean, it really does look like he's, you know, jumped over the fence to murder town, murder boy. Um, yeah. Uh, Philip, I'm going to start with you because you're, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure. cold. You're sure. a murder noob. I'm a murder noob. I, <laughs> murder noob. I, um, I'm gonna. I we uh, just as a declarative moment. We've already seen the next episode. We've watched it because we're going to be recording. So I'm going to talk about this episode in a way that I would have last week, without right before the knowledge that I had of you know what happens next. As the credits rolled, what was Philip yes. thinking? What was Philip thinking? Yes. yes. So I, you know, I, I didn't. I don't think that uh, uh, Will Graham has killed Freddie Lowndes. Um, I think he's saved Freddie Lowndes' life. Um, and this was my, these were my thoughts after having watched the episode the first time. I do believe that Will Graham has stepped into, you know, there's that movie, I think it's Deep Cover with uh, actually Lawrence Fishburne, um, where he goes so far undercover, he starts to lose himself a bit. Right. Um, And I think what we're seeing with Will Graham, I I think when Randall Tear says, but I didn't force you to enjoy it, I think that's a fact. Regardless of why he's killing or what's happening, um, you know, he's undercover or not, I think Will Graham has taken himself, (laughs) allowed himself to go down a road that's going to be really hard to come back from. Um, So, yes, I think he has gone too far. I think he has gone too far down a certain path to catch a certain person that's going to be hard, very, very difficult to come back from. Um, so I would, I would say, yes, he has. Yeah, well, because at a minimum, we have to conclude that, well, A, he's killed Randall Tear with his own hands. Indeed. And to whatever degree, you know, he sliced he did up it, the body and yeah. put it together again and he put together a tableau. Yeah, yeah. he did. He put yeah. together, which is dark. That's dark as fuck. Like to, to, oh, yeah. to do that as a human being, you're sacrificing no matter what the goal you're sacrificing a part of yourself to do that. Uh, well, and I mean, this is a common theme in a lot of like, you know, any kind of like undercover story, like yeah. any kind mm-hmm. of undercover you know, cop story or whatever, because it's essentially like it, it always kind of boils down to like, you know, you get so deep in and we already know Will struggles with boundaries. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's like that's why it becomes this big question where it's like, yeah, we know his his initial aim is to catch Hannibal. But um, as he gets deeper and deeper in, and spends more and more time with Hannibal and gets more and more intimate with him. It's like, yeah, he, the lines start to get blurred between 
like what's right and what's wrong um, because he clearly felt he clearly felt powerful killing Randall Tier the way he's felt powerful killing people before and that's mm-hmm. this is like a central part of Will's struggle right you mm-hmm. know which makes well, it really easy for Hannibal to believe everything he's saying cuz i mean he's going through that he's literally changing so mm-hmm. do do we think that Hannibal participated in the Randall Tier tableau or did Will do it by himself? No, they definitely did I that together. I think it was a group project. Yeah. <laughs> no, it was definitely like. Not. Definitely not. Definitely not. Oh, Jesse I says no. I don't oh, think so Jesse. either. I think it was all I'm, Will. I, I mean, wow, I split the room. Yeah. Well, the, only, <laughs> the only reason I think so, I mean, the reason I think so is pretty concrete because I'm fairly certain that if Hannibal participated in a way that Will saw, they could arrest Hannibal at that point yeah. and have all the room they needed to investigate the shit out of him. Mm-hmm. That that would make him an accessory after the fact. Feels logical. Mm-hmm. Um, Fair. But I've never fair. known this show to necessarily follow logic. <laughs> no, no, it's... it's so... It's, I, I agree with that. And mm-hmm. I think that... Let me say this. I think that if if Hannibal participated, it would be only in the I'm influential way. But more than that, I think that in order for Will to bring this charade that isn't a charade Uh off with Hannibal, Will has to be seen jumping in with both feet. Will Mm -hmm. has to express himself oh, I in the see. tableau yeah. true sure. yeah you know what yeah. I'm saying? he can't be expressing hannibal's you know influence at uh, which okay. point hannibal's like oh what do i need you for well You're now with that man. one that second point you convince that me. makes sense the first yeah. one not as much with the second point okay what is that what did they that's do? convincing to me that's consistent with the show for sure I was now, never on the debate team. What do they do? Like, ding, point to Justin. <laughs> yes. Uh, they never did that in any debate team I was on. They never <laughs> ding the bell and gave me a point. Um, but, and I'm taking uh, my knowledge of de- debating from um, the episode of Brooklyn Nine-Nine where they have a debate. Um, <laughs> excellent. Um, here's the thing about Will. I don't think that Will murdered Garrett Jacob Hobbs. I do think that Will murdered Randall Tier because he killed him with his bare hands. And his there was a hands? point. There was. Ha ha ha. I kind of feel like Kelly Sue has been perched at the end of her chair waiting for me to say that. She's like, come on, Justin. I know you'll give it to me. Cave, <laughs> cave bare hands. To be really accurate, Justin. Come on. But. Um, Will didn't need to kill Randall, Randall Tear in self-defense. He defeated Randall Tear before he killed him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and like at that point, at that point, self-defense is just justification to be able to commit a murder. And in my mind, you know, Will is like, he's not evil, but he's a murderer. Yeah. Well, and I would kind of, is he evil? Is he not evil? I don't know that that's the question necessarily. So I'm agreeing with Justin, but kind of taking a step away from it a little bit. It only in terms of, I don't know that I, I guess I what ever, I'm saying is he murdered him and I'm not saying that I blame him. That's what I'm no, saying. No, yeah. <laughs> yeah you know? I, I entirely get that, but, but there is, some degree, some description of evil at work in Will now. And, and I think that's one of the interesting things that the show does is that we were constantly playing with that question of, was this justified? Was it not justified? Is he, you know, we see Will um, fantasizing during the act of killing someone, fantasizing that it's Hannibal. And we would all agree that killing Hannibal at this point is justified. It is, (laughs) you know, it is, it is not something that we would deem 
um, evil with, you know, with that particular label and that we would, we would applaud whoever does it, but Mm -hmm. it is still the fantasizing of killing someone. So is the act of what is happening with Will, even when he's fantasizing about doing things that are, are justified and, and, well, I think that Will is, Will is like a product of his environment, you know? I think that Will as a human is so just like energetically and psychically and mentally and emotionally so porous <laughs> that he's surrounded by murder all the time. He's got the influence of, you know, the Sorcerer Supreme <laughs> and a <Hannibal> Lecter. <laughs> in his brain constantly you're right Mm -hmm. um and so i think that you know if there's any becoming of wills it it's like he's in control of it and not in control of it at the same time and i think that we really start to see that with the murder i agree with Mm -hmm. justin the murder of randall tear and then the vision of it actually being hannibal and this man stag it's like you don't know if you're coming or going. <laughs> yeah. The the percentage to which I feel will being in control of this undercover scheme fluctuates from like sentence to sentence <laughs> in these shows. Yeah. It's like, yeah. Uh, yeah. Sometimes you I gotta keep you on your toes, you know? Yeah. All together. Yeah. So mm-hmm. yeah, it is, it certainly feels very ominous. Um, and speaking of being ominous, um, we've finally arrived at, you know, Verger Central, Verger. Oh, here we go. Hasa de Verger. <laughs> Muskrat <laughs> Farm is what it's called. Musk- Muskrat yeah. Farm, yes. I'm wondering if Mason takes all of his business meetings in the experimental pig farm or maze barn thing. Um, but obviously I want to start this conversation off about Verger and we can go as wide as you guys want. Um, I want to hear everybody's reactions, of course, to Mason period, who I'll just start things off by saying flawless casting this. Oh my God. Michael Pitt. He's genius. Yeah, Michael Pitt. Oh my God. Amazing. Just on point. He's so, so, so I'm going to say something about Michael Pitt. I've, I'm a longtime fan of Michael Pitt. Um, I've always like, every time I see him, I'm like, oh, it's Michael Pitt, the poor man's Leonardo DiCaprio. <laughs> and I say, that, I say that with the utmost respect. I, I mean that as a compliment of the highest degree when I say that, but it's just my, it's just what every, it comes up every time because he's, uh, he's at that caliber of performing, but he's not like as famous. Mm-hmm. Um, he's, he's also more at that caliber of handsomeness mm-hmm. when not playing Mason Verger. Oh <laughs> yeah, my God, so when gross. Not... So gross. <laughs> yeah, it's, oh my goodness. Um, yeah. yeah, that so we was can... a regrettable, like mid 80s Brian Boland hairstyle they gave him. That's mm-hmm. for sure. It's, mm. it invokes yeah. like a toddler, like that's a toddler's, yeah like fancy hair and it's <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> on the mornings that you would get up and actually you know quaff your toddler um that's now that's all i'm gonna it. see when i look at jones oh no <laughs> oh no, oh, no. <laughs> jones has more surfer he has more surfer dude hair but yeah the hair is a little like we know we know this person is unhinged mm-hmm. <laughs> yes we yeah. don't really need the yeah. hair yeah, it's like it's being so brought in the performance that yeah. it's like the hair is just should have eased up on the hair. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know what the hair makes me think of? And this could be the influence. Like I said, mid-80s Brian Boland hair, and I realized he's got the hair, same basic hairstyle, not quite as faded out, but the same basic ha- hairstyle that Brian Boland gives the Joker in the killing joke. Oh, I, like wow. I, his his performance reminds me Justin. a lot of his performance reminds me a lot of like a, a Joker or a Riddler. Yeah, uh, totally. He has that. Essence. It reminds me of, of Judge Doom. Judge Doom. <laughs> I framed Roger Boy, Rabbit. It is too bad yeah. I'm married, yeah. Kelly Sue. That was yeah. Mm. <laughs> 
Yeah. Without the hair, I, he was kind of the eyes. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I I do think his, his performance is oh, it's a very welcome element to the show at this point. Yeah, because we've had a few episodes in a row where I, I don't there's there's a certain tone that this show takes where the dialogue is very uh, rhythmic and staccato in the same sort of way everything's kind of delivered dryly um and and the last few episodes there's been some wheel spinning a little bit mm. to kind of get to where mm. we're at again and i feel like the introduction of mason and kind of some of these plot elements finally really grabbing hold there's an energy to his performance that i really like that kind of breaks up the rest of the show a little bit um yeah. and what's happening and it it has a very twin peaks kind of vibe to it um, where he feels like he's mm -hmm. stepping into the show from Twin Peaks because it's mm -hmm. weird and it's dark and it's terrifying and it doesn't quite, almost doesn't quite make sense a little bit. Um, yeah. But it, it is really fantastic uh, energy. And his energy really sells the two-hander scenes between him and his sister. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> yes. Yeah. You really get the you just get to see that horrific relationship so beautifully through the polarity of their energies that, that each of them mm -hmm. bring. He's so outrageous and almost cartoony. And she's sitting here being like, I'm giving you nothing because I'm terrified and I want to rip your throat out at the same time. Well, everything that she gives will be used as a weapon. Use exactly. Yeah, exactly yeah, right. yeah, yeah. You know, well, this show is called Hannibal, and the show is very much cut from his cloth. It's kind mm. of soft-spoken. It's elegant. It's mm. nuanced. You know, you don't always know exactly what's going on until it plays out. Mm -hmm. And he, Mason, Michael Pitt's version of Mason in particular, is anything but those things. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it is like you know it's what happens when you drop a snake into you know a a, a, a little box of chicks you know what i mean like it's there's a snake know, in the hen house yeah you know it's really um and you know, I, it's it's an element that the show I, I agree like it there was a danger of it becoming a little too one note hannibal do you know what i'm saying in yeah. that sense mm -hmm. and I think it was a breath of fresh air at exactly the right time. Yeah. A you just fresh called air, Mason Berger like, breath of fresh air. I, <laughs> and I'll say that it's a breath of fresh air for Hannibal because like everyone's saying, like between the scenes of um, the scenes between him and Margot, the scenes between him and Hannibal, it's like, um, it makes you appreciate the energy Hannibal brings all over again yes absolutely. because yeah he's so awful mm -hmm. and it's like oh right we're here like if we were getting tired of hannibal's energy i mean i wasn't but if anybody was here's the breath of fresh air for hannibal's energy because mm -hmm. let's look at how bad it could be exactly you know? yeah yeah it's like someone throwing on the doors so you can appreciate the red hot chili peppers more <laughs> <laughs> it's exactly like that <laughs> both of those things are wrong and <laughs> i'm just gonna say that um i season two of hannibal has always fascinated me because when you kind of track the pacing and the energy the vibe from season one into season two you move from this very like frenetic like i'm i I always picture Will like hyperventilating the way he does when he's freaked out about things. Um, and we've moved to a place where it's now almost impossible to, to think of Will hyperventilating. Like he's so contained now. And the dialogue and the pacing and the scenes and all of that just move right along with him. Like, like mm. you, the, the show itself is so deeply embedded in Will's psyche and his emotional temperament, uh, temperament that it, it just, it's just, you know, it feels like humid with it. Um, 
And it's interesting to think that like that you introduce Mason and you introduce Margot into this. And Margot is, she's also a victim, you know, of trauma, obviously, mm -hmm. <laughs> from day one of her existence. And I think it's very fitting that the way she expresses herself is, is in this very contained, monotone, like level way, the way Will is expressing himself, the way, you know, it, it because nothing can be spontaneous for her. She yeah. has to control everything or else it is, you know, she would, she would just have a full-blown, you know, breakdown, yeah. obviously. And I think maybe the show kind of gives you that, like you can just really feel the, like the traumaness, traumaness. Right. Um, it's a word now. A word now. It is. Um, it makes sense. You can feel that in everything that they're doing. Um, yeah. yeah. Breath of fresh air, Mason Verger. That's where we're leaving it. Um, we're going to go to break. We'll hear a few messages. Then we're going to come back and talk about our favorite topic always on Hannibal sexy times. So Ooh. come right, be right back with us. All right, I'm shoulder shimmying, ready to talk about to this go. sex. So good. All right, everyone, we're back. We're ready to talk about sex. Lisa's especially ready to talk about sex. So I'm probably going to go to her first. Before we but, talk about sex, yes? can I go uh, on the record before yes, we make please. this transition? Can I go on the record mm -hmm. as saying at this point, I hate the music of the vergers. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. Just a little hated, extra note there. Little extra so, note. I so want everybody to know. So we're going to replace Millie Vanilli with the Vergers. The Vergers. The Vergers. Okay. Score. The Merger Vergers. The Merger Vergers. Big thumbs down. <laughs> Delightful. Okay. On the record, we all have it. It's out there. Um, all right. So now, we have. Now that Kelly Sue has blue balled all of us for a moment, <laughs> there, we can we can actually get into talking about the sex. Yeah, we're ready okay. now. Oh, goodness. What I'm known for. <laughs> yeah. You have, listeners, you have no idea how long Lisa has been shimmying her shoulders <laughs> in anticipation of this conversation. She's so ready to go. But we have protection now, so we're good. Oh, ayo. 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 All right, let's talk about it. Let's talk all right. about all the so, good things and the bad things. As, <laughs> as, our, as our synopsis so astutely uh, described for us, we have a lot of sexy theremin playing, which I'm very interested to, to like, I think the harpsichord earlier is a very deliberate musical choice for Hannibal. So I'll be interested to hear what you think about the whole theremin coming into play. Um, sexy theremin playing and whiskey sipping, um, which was all floor play, foreplay to the longest sex scene ever it just went on mm. and went on we have a merging of our little like not love i'm not gonna call it love triangle at this point like weirdness triangle which left poor margo like out in the cold i felt really bad by the end I of think that margo's sex scene. fine margo's okay don't worry about margo I, she's just she's like doing all right she's off by herself like on the edge of the bed um it, it would have been be argued that she's the she it was best for her yeah, it not be a part yeah. of it. I, yeah. walking yeah. away with the best experience. I, I wish I you that the, uh, exactly what Kelly Sue said. Yeah. yeah, when they panned up for the you know the the sandwich scene at the end with Hannibal and Alana and Will, I wish it had come back just a little bit further so we see Margot turn to the other direction, like right on the edge of the bed, yeah. like, <laughs> as far away like, as she can get. It's not for me, thanks. Uh, yeah. So I, we've talked about like we've talked about the uncomfortable nature of sex in this show, but I'm more, I'm interested in hearing again, because, you know, we just keep going farther down into it. <laughs> I was, you know, anyway, I was going to make mm -hmm. some sort of pun with the word deeper, but that's okay. Um, what this sexuality says about each of the characters, what does sexuality say about Hannibal and about Will and about Alana at this point? do we think? Well, I think that if we're, if we're looking at it in terms of like symbolism or whatever, <clears throat> you, uh, there's lots of murder and 
sex is sort of the opposite of that. It's creative act. It is typically born of feelings that are in the vicinity of love. <laughs> the very least. <laughs> Um, and it is but a life-affirming act as well. It's a life-affirming act, but it can also be wrought with power struggles. Mm-hmm. And I think that there's the, the, the triangle is more of a power triangle than it is a love triangle, I think, between Will and Alana and Hannibal. And unfortunately, um, you know, Alana's really... Oh. <laughs> <laughs> She doesn't even know that she's in it. So I can't even <laughs> say that she's, you know, operating any, any form of power in there, but watching this, watching this, that these scenes go down um, as delightful as they were, <laughs> I was like, this is a, this is speaking to the, the fuzziness of who has the power and when on this show. Um, and I couldn't with the theremin. I'm like, was he just like, hey, girl, hey, girl, come see my theremin. <laughs> like, I know. Like, he, 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 he's so, like, from A to B. placed. Yeah. Like, by the bed or whatever. And I'm like, and then how are you also like, here? you're naked with it? So they oh, like, what? Walk me through it. Like, I wish <laughs> I could have seen Hannibal laying out, like, okay, this is how I'm going to edge her to the theremin. Right. And, and you know what I mean? Just the, oh, here we are at the theremin. And because he, of course. He humble brags so badly. He's like, yes, it takes near it takes perfect pitch to be able to. I'm like, oh, shut the fuck up. We know oh, you're I perfect know. at everything you do, Hannibal. Totally. Like, it was such a humble brag. It's like, shut up. But then I'm I, so anyway, to go back to yeah. the sex. <laughs> this is what it speaks to for me. Is the illumination of who has the power and when and also just how fuzzy the boundaries are now mm-hmm. yeah talk about fuzzy boundaries mm-hmm. um this is definitely all that i agree that Margot is just fine she's yeah she's she's good I've, she's she got, got what enough she came to for. deal with with fucking Mason Verger over there. She doesn't need to be dealing with anything yeah. going on here. I'm um, like, you deserve a Will Graham snack, girl. Yes, <laughs> yeah. you exactly. go get that. And that's what she got. Yeah. But I mean, like to, I mean, to talk about like the sexuality, I mean, like, you know, as was said in the last episode and Will said before they got it on, like, he doesn't have the right parts for her proclivities. So like she got what she needed from the experience and that's that. Um, but as far as the bizarre love triangle, um, I mean, I continue to find sex scenes between Hannibal and Alana extremely uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, and then of course, like add the whole Wendigo image in there. And it's like, no, thanks. Um, that is not doing anything for me. Um, but yeah, it is good to see Will get some action. I was thinking the same action. You go, Will, you go, (laughs) Will, especially with a very attractive woman. She's exactly. I was like, she's H-A-W-T hot. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, And I mean, as we can like talk about with the bizarre love triangle that it's like, you know, and Hannibal and Will are becoming more and more intimate. We didn't even talk in the opening scene. It was like very intimate, that whole like hand washing scene. Mm -hmm. Um, Oh, man. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I yeah, mean, and the wrapping. I mean, that was sexual. Yeah, that that's was more so sensual. Like, more sensual. That was really sensual sex. and and even sexy yeah. and like yeah. it was like loving, and way and it like com- and it conveyed way more like, um, yeah, it conveyed way more love because sex and love aren't the same. They are often not. Um, and so it's 
you know, that was real love that I saw with the hand washing scene. I didn't see any love in this sex scene. No. I think Kelly no. Sue was totally right. It was a power. It was a power thing. The hand washing um, scene was mm-hmm. the the hair washing scene from Out of Africa, but with blood. Mm-hmm. Oh shit! I haven't thought of that in a hundred years. <laughs> Love that movie. Nice. Robert Redford washing someone's hair every time. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> Even though it commits that movie commits the one cardinal sin of movie making, which is it killed Robert Redford. You, you don't that's kill the, Robert Redford. That's yeah. the one cardinal sin. <laughs> yeah. Killing Robert <laughs> Redford. Bad. You can get away with anything else, but you <laughs> kill Robert Redford, you've yeah. gone too far. Yep. You want to have Every a theremin sex is on a scene? Roll with Fine. some really oddly declarative statements. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to say, so you're saying that the Winter Soldier commits the cardinal sin. They killed Robert Redford. Yeah, man. Okay, and that's just that just speaks to the strength of that movie. Ultimately, that it's one of my favorite Marvel movies. Is it? It rises up to that level, even though they killed Robert Redford. Unforgivable. It, it, this is fascinating it, stuff. We're while while, about while watching the sex scene, like I was disturbed, like everybody else, and you know the Wendigo wow. showing up was like a Our lot. Coming to the rescue. There yeah, bring <laughs> us back on track. Um, I still, I still wonder why, and I, I think about it, and I was thinking about it during the scene, why uh, Will Graham is still reaching out for Alana to this degree. Like, she has not been there for him, and she's, like, basically turned on him to a large degree. And I, I feel like, is it, just, is it just him reaching out for something that makes him feel human still amidst all of the darkness that he's putting himself through? Does he still actually love her, love her, love her? I like, it's a really, cause I, I don't I think he's reaching out. Like, I think that what Alana represents for mm. Will is innocence. Sure. And I think that he's still drawn to that, you know, mm. she represents a time in his life, a, yeah. a point of view, a perspective that's innocent. She doesn't, I mean, to him, she doesn't know any of the shit that he's been going through with Hannibal for the last right. whatever time frame we're talking about here. Right, right. Well, and she kind of just... knows it. She just doesn't believe it. Right. You know? Exactly. Yeah, but she's been told everything. More, more. Yeah, I see, mean, like to Will's yeah. mind. You yeah, know? right, right. I think Kelly Sue brought me to the point that I've been wanting to make, which is like some of the visual symbolism, because I think it's fitting that this sex scene ends with Alana between Hannibal and Will. Sure. Because Will's desire to protect Alana is because sex, I mean, you guys talk about love and you talk about power to me. And the reason why this sex and murder thing go so hand in hand together is because they're both about desire. They're both about something you want to do. And Will wants to be with Hannibal, you know? Will wants to, you know, he wants to fully become. And his, Alana is in a very real way coming in between them Mm -hmm. because his desire to protect her is one of the things that he's holding on to. And certainly, I think we can all agree, Philip, that no one has to be treated well by someone and still love that doesn't oh, sure, stop yeah. us from loving uh, them. Agreed. Do you know what I'm agreed. saying? Like that's yeah. you, seeking justification for why someone feels good about someone is mm-hmm. oh ab- absolutely. There's no logic to that. No, you know? there isn't. No, agreed. I I just wanted oh, to bring us back. Definitely is not. I wanted to bring us back to the the point, <laughs> the focus. Yes. That was just what was going through my head while watching it for sure. Um, nicely, nicely spoken. This was a well dissected sex talk. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, which means it was learned bad a lot. Sex. Yeah, <laughs> and I'm feeling really good about it. Yeah, it was it was yeah. educational in many ways that we don't ever want to be educated in again. So no more <laughs> no more, no more theremin playing, no more sexy times. I do want to say that it's very rare that a sex scene, in my experience, comes off as thematic and character building. Yeah. And yeah. this mm-hmm. one was all of those things. Yeah, you know what totally. I mean? Absolutely. Like, 
it was it uncomfortable, but it was sexy. necessary. <laughs> it was really, yeah. you know, it wasn't just, you know, we got to have something to titillate the viewers. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Because it wasn't even all that titillate, you know? Titillating? Titillating. I have to say it left me <laughs> <Tiddling>. cold. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, cannibal yeah. sex scenes usually do <sighs> you know it's, so, they're odd yeah. so cringe but th- because they're not because they're not about being sexy they're saying no. something else yeah, <laughs> yeah. Sure. exactly so yeah all right i'll still well, give it a shoulder shimmy though good yes absolutely <laughs> <clears throat> but we'll go back and rewatch the hand washing scene um, so with that, we're going to turn to our regular segment in the, these episodes, uh, in which we delight in the art of a murder. Um, I'm going to turn it over to Philip for the exquisite corpse. Oh, thank you. Um, so yeah. <laughs> I, I did that like it, it was a surprise like oh you're gonna give it to me like it's literally it's it's in the script like I, that was I, great I, I planned this out in advance it's not like a surprise yeah. this week we're going hmm to fill up <laughs> oh me do I get the award this week oh my god um, wow okay sorry uh, started weird and then got weirder <laughs> I, I want to point out that this is the guy who had to pull us back from talking about the death of Robert Redford. Yeah. Movie. And now, and now. I feel. I... <laughs> I feel redeemed now. I feel... <laughs> oh my God. This is a great laugh to have before laugh. we talk about this exquisite I know, corpse. right? Oh, I know, yeah. God. Um, Oh God! There is an art to murder, everybody, uh, especially in the world of Hannibal. In our exquisite corpse segment, we hope to do some amateur sleuthing to break down the murder scene and offer some deeper insights into the murders uh, based on the myriad of uh, production elements presented. Uh, you know, the first thing about this scene that I do want to point out, coming from like just a, a theater and filmmaking background, is the staging of it is really nicely, it's very nicely choreographed. Um, where you have, you have Randall Tier starting as a presence on the balcony with seeing just a hand. And every shot you see him, he's a little bit closer, a little bit closer until his hand is literally on Will Graham's shoulder, right? Um, and just that sort of uh, uh, filmmaking element is really nice. Like, because, uh, uh, you know, you could say that he is talking to Randall Tier here, but he's really just talking to himself. I mean, you know, and 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 having that element of himself kind of slowly creeping in is very emblematic of what's actually happening to him as a person, as we've discussed, that he's so undercover here, um, that he's doing all of these terrible things just to throw Hannibal off the scent of what he's actually up to. Um, so yeah, that visual element was really nice. Uh, and obviously there's a lot of great things said in this scene. Um, some of which we've talked about before. Uh, the, one, the one line of dialogue that I really did like, and then I'm gonna open it up for everybody else to talk about, um, is uh, when Randall Tier says, no, you kind of did this for yourself. Um, you know, you didn't do this for me, you did this for you. Uh, and that can speak to a, a number of things. Like we, we know that he in, enjoyed killing Randall Tier um murdering randall tier um we know that uh uh, based on what happens next anyway that um there is a sort of secondary goal in mind uh trying to cap you know catch the fly in the fly trap um but yeah there's a lot of interesting lines of dialogue in the scene and there's there's obviously a lot going on you know assembling uh a human together again part man part beast which we talked a little bit about in the previous episode. Uh, but yeah, I'd like to kind of open it up now um, with those sort of ideas in mind, talking about this exquisite corpse too. Uh, uh, who would ever like to uh, jump in with some ideas or thoughts? Um, well, I'm going to jump I... in. No, Justin, you go. Justin got to it first. Sorry. Okay. 
Um, Sorry, Casey. And I feel bad because I want to let her go. But uh, <laughs> simply before they reveal the tableau of this exquisite corpse, you know, that's mm-hmm. when we're having the, you know, Hannibal tending to Will scene. And Hannibal says to Will about, you know, he's basically saying, look, Randall's here gave you yeah. this opportunity to become how will you repay him right and it's significant that the tableau is very much an answer to that question yeah because you know even though randall tier may say you didn't do this for me will does stage him at the end of his own becoming of randall tears becoming you know mm-hmm. that he is more than a person that he is a beast that he is you know mm-hmm. and um, I simply really like that because, of course, it all, you know, there's a perfect line there, you know, how you would pay him. I'll stage this tableau this way. Oh, you didn't do it for me. You did it for yourself. You know, that's a whole, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. And yeah. I think the if you read Randall Tears will it, will, it definitely stipulates that he, when he dies, he wants to be draped over a saber-toothed tiger <laughs> skeleton in a museum with you know, just as body parts. Yep. I will. The only thing I was going to say to all of this was when I saw the tableau for the first time, my actual reaction was, oh, <laughs> so sweet. <laughs> like, you know, he made him what he wanted to be this whole time yeah. and put him in his favorite place with all these prehistoric bear tiger. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it's kind of um, like, you know, Randall Tier saying, you didn't do this for me, you did it for you. And it's like, well, you know, both can be true. We did it for, yeah. we did it for us. Yeah. Yeah. Us. Yeah. Got something out of there. this exchange. Um, I feel like Randall Tier was really seen and acknowledged and mm-hmm. his choices yeah. in life. There's some weird allegories there too, things, but. And it yeah. also speaks very much to Will because as mm. uh, Kelly Sue said earlier in the episode, Will is super impressionable. Will is mm-hmm. soft clay. Oh, and yeah. so how else would he stage a tableau, but in a way that spoke specifically to the victim's needs and desires? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Damn. Damn. There you go. Kablooey. <laughs> Lisa, you had something to add, but you're about to... Did you have anything to add? Oh, no, I was oh. just going to, I mean, I was, I I think Justin just, uh, I think Justin just yeah. put an exclamation point on this. Um, right. I yeah. mean, the only, I, it's not even about the exquisite corpse per se, but I mean, we talked already about all the great lines in this particular episode. This episode has just like, mm-hmm. it's so quotable. Yeah. Um, yeah. But like, even from the very first time I watched and heard Hannibal say the line, it's the prospect of death that drives us to do great things or drives us to greatness or mm-hmm. what have you. Um, I, man, I just loved that so much. And mm-hmm. um, only that it's like, so this is, I mean, this is that. Yeah. <laughs> I will say. Yeah. Well said. Yeah. And it's like, I don't know that that line specifically is an example of this, but Brian Fuller was very deliberate about culling lines of dialogue from Thomas Harris's books and reusing them and repurposing them and giving them new context in this show. And he does that a lot. Like I, you know, I read about these episodes after we watch them and it, it happens so often that they're like, Oh, this line was spoken by Hannibal in Hannibal but it was spoken to Clarice Starling and stuff, you know, and it, like mm-hmm. it happens so often. I think that's really cool, especially because for myself as a fan, I'm a bigger fan of this show than I am of the books, you know? And I think it's really cool that this show is doing its best to make the most of those books in through the writing, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think that's yeah pretty damn remarkable. There are two little quick things in this exquisite corpse. Hot One, takes. little hot takes. Uh, Jack coming down the stairs at the top of this scene is so film noir wonderful. And then standing across from Randall Tier. And it makes it made me wonder how, you know, with if, because my thought was that, yes, Will Graham is undercover here, but how much 
of this does Jack know about? Does you know how much is Will letting him know about what's go what he's actually having to do? My guess is not a lot because <laughs> there has to be a level of deniability, you know, to some of these things that Will yes. is doing. Um, so yeah. I'm sure he like they both kind of know what's going on, but Will's just like, just let me do my thing and stay back. So that way you have deniability to some of the stuff I have to do to get done. Because Jack says that they set boundaries. Oh. <laughs> yeah, not says, involving me in that. Jack says, yes, Jack says, I will do what I always do with the people that I work for and let them do what they need to do <laughs> with my hands off. Did they set um, up boundaries <laughs> though? Were they like, was Jack like, okay, you can do these up to, but not exceeding putting <laughs> skin or, you know, over putting a, a yeah, guy's face up a dead on body. A, like what? Yeah, right. what were the boundaries? And then the other the other thing Nobody is knows. Hannibal's googly eyes during this scene, looking at Will oh. Graham, are the most googly of googly eyes I think I have ever seen. Um, and oh, he is yeah. making doe eyes. All <laughs> yeah, the time. Yeah. yeah, it's amazing. This whole scene, uh, just those googly eyes. Anyway, yeah. Uh, so there's a lot going on in this exquisite corpse sequence uh, worth talking about, but I'll, I'll leave it at that. Amen. There we go. Um, well, before we uh, sign off, I'm going to hand it over to Kelly Sue, who is going to give us uh, a recommendation for this episode. If you like Hannibal and related things, then this thing out of Kelly Sue's brain might appeal to you. Mm -hmm. So I was cleared on my recommendation this uh -oh. week because what out I wanted Africa? to recommend off of... <laughs> It was out of Africa. <laughs> I wanted to recommend Twin Peaks. Um, and Phil beat me to the punch, which is, I mean, it kind of just goes to show that Twin Peaks is very recommendable based on this episode of Hannibal, I think. For the similar reasons. The second that the vergers show up, you're just like, what fucking fresh hell is this? <laughs> yeah. Which is very you much. You can almost how it hear feels. the baseline from Twin totally. Peaks. That's exactly, yeah. Totally. It's in the music here. Which is totally how you feel watching Twin Peaks. Every single episode, you're just like, wait a minute, what? <laughs> <laughs> Did I miss something? No, I didn't. That's actually just happening. Okay, great. Let's do it. Um, yeah, if you're listening to this podcast and you have not watched Twin Peaks, uh, what are you doing with your life? Number one, <laughs> number two, easy fix. Go watch Twin Peaks. Yeah. So if you're a co-host on this podcast and you haven't watched Twin Peaks, you'd say, <laughs> oh, oh no, I found another thing. Claire hasn't I done. I literally just got Claire because I was about to say that exact. <gasps> Wait, yeah. Justin and Claire have both never seen Twin Peaks. I have Twin never Peaks? seen Twin Peaks. I no. loved it. I oh, love this. Christ, you guys. What are we even doing here? <laughs> <laughs> this band immediately. <laughs> wow. This is weird. This yeah. is weird. Wow. This is Twin, Twin Peaks is happening to us right now. <laughs> <laughs> this entire exchange is Twin Peaks. Mm. Yes, All right. Well, just you have your assignments then. Yep. Yeah. Watch Twin Peaks. All right. Okay. Um, give the pilot a chance. The pilot's great. That first episode. I like the pilot. No, the pilot's great. I mean, I love the pilot, but people mm -hmm. who have, who I've been like, go sit your ass down and watch the show. They're like, is this? And I'm like, just stick with it. Um, oh, okay. okay. So that Twin Peaks. Mm -hmm. So then the next thing I was going to recommend because that was cleared um, <laughs> really quickly was if you're listening to this and you're watching Hannibal and you haven't seen Red Dragon, Mm. Take the time to watch it now. Now is the time. Yeah. For what is happening on the show now and for what's to come. It's mm -hmm. a been, it's a wonderful movie. Ray Fiennes is brilliant. Mm. And, um, you know, it's not going to win anybody major awards, but it's really fun. And if you are mm -hmm. with us at this deep into Murder Husbands, you definitely should watch Red Dragon if you yeah. haven't. It holds up well in comparison to what they're doing in the show, I think, <clears throat> in many ways. In some ways, not so much. Like yeah. the little ponytail doesn't. Like the quite, little ponytail. Yeah. yeah. Get doesn't, it right out of here. Last. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe last. my favorite thing that Brett Ratner ever did. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. That's oh, fair. I didn't realize that. Yeah. Brett yeah. Ratner. It's a jam Brett, it is. joint. <laughs> yeah, it is. Brett yeah. Ratner joint. <laughs> oh, oh, goodness. Oh. 
Okay. Yeah. Well, thank you, Kelly Sue. I apologize that you got cleared. Um, That's all right. But not by me. So cool. unless you, yeah, you want to go back and talk Although about Africa. Although I did get cleared by you in the middle of that discussion. So <laughs> it was a drive-by clearing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Somebody's going to get it. Oh, goodness. Well, we have come to the end. If you have liked this conversation, be sure to like and subscribe to Popsicle on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you may listen. New episodes of Murder Husbands release every Tuesday. Next week, join us as we dissect Season 2, Episode 11, Konomono, I think is how you say that, of Hannibal, and see if Will has signed a long-term lease in Murder Town. And take a listen to our other ongoing series that episode was in which we are discussing the final season of The Expanse on Amazon Prime. Follow at PopsiclePod on all social media sites and visit our website PopsiclePod.com for all the latest Popsicle news. Remember, that's Popsicle spelled P-O-P-S-K-L. Until next week, bon appetit! This has been a Popsicle production.